Hello and welcome to LPO Offstage. I'm Yolanda Brown and this is the podcast that gets inside the world of classical music and beyond with members of the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Today, we're focusing on a topic that came up when we did an episode on percussion and I've wanted to talk about it ever since. They think I'm joking, but I am truly excited because it's all about the triangle. I'm really, really serious about this. I'm really excited. I'm joined backstage here at the Royal Festival Hall. There's lots of hubbub around us, but we're going to make some noise because I'm joined by the LPO's principal percussionist, Andy Barclay, along with some instruments, and I hope this will help us understand the triangle. Andy, it's wonderful to have you back. Thank you, Yolanda. It's great to be here. I hope you appreciate it. I'm just as excited... (laughs) As you are, to I talk about the triangle for I'm carrying the excitement ages. for both of us. No, no, and I'll tell you, I think it was Simon Carrington, that, the timpanist, who suggested it. So I can assure you that when I've finished with him, he will know exactly what shape a triangle is. <laughs> well, the triangle. The triangle. What is its reputation and does it deserve it? Well, as you probably know, it was invented by Klaus von Triangle. No, that's a joke. Uh, I no. believed you. I mean, I'm Well, it's because you play the saxophone. You say, that was invented. By... No, the triangle is one of the oldest percussion instruments. Percussion in general is the oldest musical instrument, therefore the best, obviously. And it goes back to the dawn of time, people whacking things and hitting bits of wood. The triangle is relatively young in that mm. regard because its antecedents are about 4,500 years old. So it's just a sort of baby, really. Do you want to hear about the history of the triangle? Well, I do, yes. Why not? There was an ancient Egyptian instrument called a sistrum, which is like, it's difficult to describe on the radio or the podcast. It's like a strip of metal bent round with some rods passing through it and some rings and jingly bits so that when you shook it, it rattled. Not like a tambourine? No, because there was no skin on it. It was a metallic instrument. Um, There's sort of, what do they call, freezes or whatever with those two-dimensional Egyptian guys rattling these things and uh, one was discovered it had some hieroglyphs underneath it was very interesting they got an Egyptologist to translate it and it was apparently the guy was saying I'm sorry mate I only work for cash (laughs) but later on it turned into this instrument that was sometimes triangular. Occasionally it was trapezoidal. Do you know what that means? No, what's Did that? Did you do... Well, um, oh, yes, maths. like a... It's like a triangle with a top cut off yes, it. So yes. it's kind of like a quadrilateral. Yes, I'm really but, going but back skewed. Into... But no, it's skewed. No, no, that's a rhombus. Ooh, Come on. Now we're getting into it. All right. Tra- <laughs> trapezium. Trapezium, you know? So yes. I'm glad we sorted that out. <laughs> and what they used to do, the link with the system is they used to hang rings on the bottom bar. So when you hit it it would jangle. Right. And that kind of made its way into the orchestra by various routes, mainly in the Turkish Janissary bands, which are very important in percussion. Those are the Janissary girl with us, I think. Again, I'm not a historian. Mm -hmm. They were the sort of Turkish elite military force for the Ottoman Empire. And their band was really the the beginning of, like, marching band music. So the bass drum and the cymbals and the triangle... And look, there was another wonderful instrument called a jingling johnny or a Turkish crescent, which was like a big staff with lots of bells hanging on it and it would be whacked on the ground and it would jangle as they were marching along. So composers would start to include these instruments. Mm. There's a lovely book by a lovely old percussionist, no longer with us sadly, called Jimmy Blades, James Blades, very famous guy who I did meet a few times. And he wrote a book called Percussion Music instruments and their history and it's a great big thick book about the history of percussion instruments going right back into the mists of time 
and I did have a quick look at that before this podcast. You know, <laughs> I have read it once, oh, but yeah. it was quite a long time ago. Apparently, in 1710, Hamburg Opera, it's in their records that they owned a triangle. <gasps> you get a bit later in the 18th century. 1782, I think. If anyone knows these dates better than I do, I apologise, but I think it's... Mozart put those instruments in Seraglio, the abduction from the Seraglio, because that's got a kind of mm. exotic Eastern European feeling. 1794, the Haydn Military Symphony. The most famous one is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which is 1823 or something, mm-hmm. a few years before he died, where in the last movement, the choral movement, the bass drum cymbals and triangle come in. For people back then, it would have been like having... I don't know, an electric guitar or something in an orchestra. But we sort of accept it now. But it must have been really wacky and brilliant. It's fascinating. And with this rich history, why is the triangle sort of the butt of many jokes, if you like? People will say, I'm not musical at all, I play the triangle, you know? Yeah, well, it's got to be because it it looks very simple to play. Is it simple to play? No, it isn't. (gasps) See, this is why it has a podcast. Let me be specific here. Please. A lot of inst- percussion instruments are easy to make a sound on. So if you give somebody a, an oboe, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. your man in the street, it gave him an oboe, he would probably struggle to get any sort of noise. And if he did, it'd probably sound like a duck being strangled. <laughs> but in the hands of a master of the instrument, it's, it's a thing of great beauty. Mm. And it takes a long time to get from not being able to make a sound at all to having total mastery. Yeah. Anyone can hit a triangle, but... I wouldn't necessarily allow somebody who was able to hit a triangle to go anywhere near a triangle in a symphony orchestra because there is a little bit more to it. But I think that's why people think it's easy, because it it does look easy. And so where is the art? What's the main technique? Percussionists, it's quite funny. We always joke about the fact we have to play hundreds of different instruments, which is true. But once you've actually... This will sound strange. Once you've learned how to hit things, (laughs) you can give us pretty much anything and we'll know how to hit it properly. So... But for a lot of the time, playing the triangle is about timing. Mm. Because percussion instruments are sort of, you switch them on and you switch them on, you hit it and you've hit it and there's nothing you can do. You can't kind of slide in. So it's, it's often placing it in exactly the right point. You can look at the conductor till you're blue in the face. I've tried that. But even then, the LPO plays a little bit behind the beat. And if it's slow, luxurious music, and there's a triangle note at the end of a heart glass or something it can what you're actually looking at doesn't bear much relationship to where you actually stick it mm. as it were as a percussionist yeah. when do you learn the triangle is this like first <laughs> lesson or is that no you've got to really master your other bits well, you first? no I'm, I'm a, i've only been in the orchestra 27 years so I've, i'm kind of starting to get to grips with the triangle <laughs> it's like one of those things you know it's a lifelong study no as i say making the sound is not really the issue. It's the timing, the placement, and the, and the musicality of it. Mm. And yeah, there is an element of acoustics and things like that. What you got to remember is a triangle. I think I'm, somebody will shoot me down in place. I think the triangle is the highest pitched instrument in the orchestra. Not through any sort of magical. Yes. It's just the nature of the instrument. It's a steel rod that you hit, and it vibrates it very fast. I mean, normally people think of the piccolo being the highest mm-hmm. instrument, but actually. The triangle is, is sort of stratospherically high, so you can normally hear it, even in a full mm. orchestra. Um, there's a composer called Vidor. He wrote a lovely organ piece called the Toccata. Okay. They play at weddings. I was a choir boy, you see. <laughs> and he once said that, you know, in a full orchestral tutti, when it's red heat 
adding the triangle turns it into white heat. And I think that's a really nice description of it. And so you can't really hide on the triangle as well. And you have got this, like I said, you have to sort of commit and hit it at some Mm. point. And once you've hit it, there's nothing you can do about it. So it's that. It's more timing and experience and being kind of brave enough to kind of wait sometimes. When we deep dive into pieces of music, we learn a lot about intention or what the composer was trying to communicate. Mm, mm. What does the triangle represent in pieces of music usually? Does it feature in sort of, as you said, tutti, really aggressive sounds or is it more angelic or does it feature across the board? Um, Well, it's just reminded me of a few years ago we were doing a very loud piece and suddenly everything stopped and there was a triangle roll and I was going at it like it was a fire alarm and the composer came over... And they said to me, can we have more on the triangle? I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at maximum. <laughs> and they said, this is supposed to be the end of the world. Uh, so the I said, well, may I respectfully suggest <laughs> sympathy, that you might yeah. want to use, to use a different <laughs> instrument? You know, Yeah, no, the triangle can be sort of clangy and mechanical and, and a bit sort of engineering-like. Mm. And other times it can be the sweetest and most beautiful. When it's written for well, it's a beautiful sound. And it's got lots of different facets. The original thing of the, you know, the Mozart and the Haydn and the uh, Beethoven mm. was just part of this sort of marching thing. So, you know, often the bass drums playing like boom, 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 and then there's often a thing called a router, which is a load of twigs, boom, uh-huh. chick, boom, chick. and the triangle is often going ting, ting, oh, ting, just marking time. Bit, yeah. But then obviously it's developed, and there's lots of different examples where it's. Um, Ride of the Valkyries is very dum da dum ring ring bum and it's relentless. And then other times something like one of the Ravel piano con- no, it's Mother Goose, where there's a, a long harp gliss, and at the top of the gliss the triangle just goes ding as if that's the string that the harpist hasn't got. And actually, while I think of it, you know, you have to suspend your triangle from something. And our lovely harpist, Rachel, often comes over with her broken strings and gives them to us for nothing to use. Is that what I'm looking at now? Well, I, actually, I can't... Yeah, I think that might be a harp string. I can't remember. So here and in I the studio... I can't see. It's too fine. I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> it looks amazing. I yeah. mean, here I in the studio, you, we've got the full... We've got a stand, I've got beaters yeah. here, well, I've got a handheld. Well, look, I mean, well, let's get into the technique okay. a little bit. Triangles are originally held mm. in one hand and played with the other, oh. right? And a lot of people still do that. And there's, there's even traditions in different countries, you know, and, and different I orchestras. ring if it was held. Well, no, you have to suspect... No, oh, OK. Yes, Let's he's get got technical. the... Tri- you're right. getting technical yeah, look, if, I, if I hold it in my hand... Let me get a nice chunky beater. OK. If I hold it in my hand, then I'm holding onto the metal. That's, that's okay. the sound I have Right. Thought. Now, I know you're all classical music fans, but I'm sure you all used to watch Pink Panther. You can do this. So all I'm doing is I'm trying to hold it as little as possible with the, and then I hold it with grab it in my hand. Yes. So that's a sort of Latin thing. That is fantastic. So that's just me holding the triangle in my hand, but obviously that you have to let the triangle ring. So there's one way you put it on what's called a clip. I'm hooking it through some of Rachel's harp strings, strings or it might be suspended on. Is this an actual? This is an actual. Triangle holder thingy, but board. it doesn't come with the string then, or you had to replace it. Well, they do break. Oh. If you look really carefully, Yolanda, you'll see there's two there bits of two. string. Do Insurance. You not... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So has it ever broken oh, on yeah. a gig? Uh, yeah. Oh. Only when I was a student and it fell on the floor. Oh. 
No, clang-a-ling-a-ling. So, yeah, glonk, clonk. <laughs> so that's when you learn life's yes, lessons. Yes, on, on the stand as well, yeah. see. It just means that you've got, like you said, if one goes, there's another one to catch yes. it. Yes. I'm like this, I do have a stopgap, and then I don't replace the thing that, you know, and then the worst happens again. <laughs> so that's now hanging. Mm-hmm. So if I ting that... Now, what's very interesting, if you... Look, I'm hitting that, if you like, at 90 degrees. Yes. Right? And you'll hear quite a pure sound. If I hit it at a slight angle... Wow! You get a completely different sound. Sorry, I just spoke over that sound because that was... I know, you spoiled the whole podcast. (laughs) I'll do it again. I'm genuinely so excited. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Again. um, This is a try. Wait till we do the symbols, yeah. So, if I hit it at right angles... And then if I hit it at a slight angle, you get... Can you hear this more... Um, it's almost a chord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know with harmonic series, you get a fundamental note. Yes. And then you get all this sort of... Harmonics. Harmonics. Yeah. Which in a, an instrument that plays a pitch or whatever, the harmonic series is very accurately... Mm. Divide, you know, it's an octave it's a, and then a fifth yeah. and then yeah. a fourth. And then a fifth. Well, this is a... Because of the shape of it, the metal is all um, jangling around in all different directions. So you get lots of different pitches. And that's, in a way... Because although you might be able to sing a pitch, I don't Can you sing that pitch? I'm not sure. Well, I'm hearing a different pitch, see? Oh, yeah. So it, this is a lovely triangle. We've been using this one for about 30 years, but it always seems to fit in with the chord that the orchestra is playing. It's almost like the sound will find the, the thing in the triangle and amplify it almost. I mean, I'm slightly making this up, but no, you know but what I mean? that makes sense. So it, sounds, it doesn't sound out of place. Sometimes you get a triangle and you hit it in a particular point. You think, I can't use that triangle for And that. I notice you're hitting it in the same point. Yeah. Can you hit it lower down that yeah. arm? Well, look, this is the thing. People, there was a bit of a vogue to go back to holding the triangle in the hand. Because obviously the main problem, unless you've got three arms, is your one hand is busy holding yes. the triangle and then you're trying to play it with one hand. And when I was a lad... Everybody put triangles on a stand. So I've got mm-hmm. a stand here. Yeah. It's like a normal percussion stand, like a cymbal stand. And then it's got this sort of L-shaped top. There's a bit jutting out from the stand, and that's got string on it. Mm-hmm. And I can hook the triangle into it like this. Double strings again, I see, yes. And then that's... Yeah. Some people, there are purists. Some people always feel that the stand is a bit tonky and it, it takes the sound away from the triangle. Because the vibration is going yeah. through the stand, yeah. And they've probably got a point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do play on a clip. But sometimes if you're playing something difficult, I prefer it on a stand because it gives me two hands. Yeah. And then. So do you ever play with two beaters? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. If I remember rightly, Ride of the Valkyries is... Another thing which is important in the technique and takes a while to develop a sense for is when to stop the sound. And sometimes when we have a young, inexperienced player in the section, which is fine, I was one once, and (laughs) it takes a bit of time to settle in. But, you know, like, if you're sitting in a car and somebody else is driving and you've got your own clutch and brake pedal. Absolutely. I've seen people do do this with their hand, you know, in a mid-air, non-existent triangle, because they want the (laughs) triangle to... Trying to dampen the air. (laughs) So we have to do it surreptitiously so we don't upset them. Yeah. That's a thing of learning to listen and and see what your part Mm. is to do with. I think I've said before that composers often what they write for us is not as in-depth and in much detail as it is for the other players. Yes. So we just get a blob on the page, like play here, but it doesn't necessarily tell you how long to play. Or So you have to use your nous and, uh, and just listen, and eventually you'll, 
you develop a sense of when to stop it. Yeah. Um, because it will. I mean, if I... That's... We're still, still going. Still going. Yeah, and here we are, quarter of an hour later. Wow. It's still going. It's still so, going, yeah. Now, that thing, the jangle thing... Mm. My theory... It's still going, yeah. Yeah, that's... Can you hear that yeah, really high? Yeah, yeah I that's, got that, yeah. That's because you're not an <laughs> 85-year-old conductor, because I can't always hear that. You, know? I mean, you were telling me yeah. about the conductors. Oh, no, this is, this, is a, this is a real thing. When conductors, the sort of grand old, what do you call them? Masters, masters the maestros, maestros you know, yeah. when they hit sort of 80 or whatever, some of them, they lose the upper partials, the really high stuff, which, of course, is fine for the rest of the but that's where the triangle lives, basically. Most percussionists have been accused of missing something out or something because a conductor can't hear it. And then you end up and put it on a clip and stand up and hold it up in the air. Yes. And then, even then, they say, oh, well, you Can know, you it harder? must play it forte, you know. <laughs> and there was a, there's a, a fantastic piece by Strauss called Till Eulenspiegel's Lustiger Streicher. Have I done that right? I think that's right. We call it Till. Mm. At the end, there's this beautiful tune, the epilogue, and there's a bit where it goes... Da, 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 Ping, da, da, dee, da, da, and there's this little triangle note. And uh, one particularly elderly German conductor, he was also particularly impatient with the idiots at the back, like we, <laughs> that's what you think. And of course he couldn't hear it, so he just kept accusing us of... So we ended up having to really play it very loud. Which uh, for that style. Which was awful, you yeah, know, everyone yeah. used to slightly do that. But So we, we got somebody to really whack it and then... Everyone else was head in their hands, where he was sort of Perfect. giving us a... Oh, <laughs> it's beautiful! <laughs> you know. Now, earlier you said that this particular triangle is 30 years old, it's a good one. Mm. How do you know when you've got a good triangle? And is it the material? Is it the way it's made? What is it? It's personal taste. I mean, this was a triangle that they used a lot when I joined the orchestra, so I kind of got used to it, and it's a sound I, I like. Mm. I'm sure some people come along and tell me it was the worst triangle they've ever heard. There are lots of different colours and tastes mm. as well. I mean, what I was saying about the jangle and the ting, this is quite a sweeping statement, but I'm going to do it. Do it. I think the OPO is a ting orchestra rather than a jangle orchestra. Ah. I, I use, jangle's not the right word. Yeah, but I know but what you mean. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Some people like that, mm. that sound... And so a lot of people, when they're playing the clip, they will hold the triangle up and actually play the bottom bar of it like that. I've got colleagues in London that that's what they prefer to play. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we play like that. Other people play like that. And so there you go. You pay your money and you take your choice of triangle. And sounds. is that the only two ways to play, apart from the role? Obviously? Uh, well, obviously you can have different types of triangle. You can, right, yes. so if I take that one off... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll leave that one on the stand as our reference triangle. Ah, yes. If I can put it back in there. You see, I'm... There we go. So if I use my hand clip... Well, it's a little bit. four other triangles yeah, on this well, table. Yeah, well, again, that's what was in the box. But So this is a nice dinky one. And it's a different colour. I think this must be brass. brass. Again, I, do you know, I don't know stuff like this. Mm. Isn't it awful? I just, I just play it. Yeah. I don't, the regular one is chrome-plated steel. And actually, it's been played... Is it this one? It's been played so much, some of the chrome's come off it. Uh, so you get through... Yeah, yeah. Uh, get through to the metal. Yeah, that one's... Can you see oh, the chrome's see. come yes, off? yes. Because it's been played relentlessly for 30 years in the same place. So that's our normal one. And this is a different one. Aww. That's a massive difference in pitch. And that's because it's much um, smaller. So think that that little triangle, and it really is, I mean, yeah. you can fit in the palm of your hand, yeah. 
can ring out and fill an auditorium yeah. is wonderful. I mean, that, that might not, if the orchestra's at full throttle, yeah. which they do <laughs> rather <laughs> they well, that one might not get through. But if it's quiet, that will fill a whole auditorium. That's about three or four inches. Yeah. They're equilateral triangles. Well, just I was get going to ask, again. do they ever come in, in different angles? I have played... I used to have one that was a bit more sort of... Not right angle, but they might be isosceles <gasps> or even scalene. Whoa! But, no, I think they're generally equilateral. But would that change the sound? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I'll tell you what does change the sound. I read once, because they also the thing about... the all the orchestral triangles, it's open at one end. Why are they all open? Because apparently, if it was a, a solid triangle, you would get a much more sense of a particular pitch. Right, right. So the reason that there's these two ends, they sort of, I suppose if you were able to film it at high speed, and so you'd see them opening and closing a little bit. Absolutely. That's why I think there's a difference between the jangle and the ting, because mm. if you hit it at 90 degrees, it's sort of, the triangle is vibrating in one plane, if you like. Yeah. Whereas if you hit it at an angle, it will flap about oh, as well as open and close, yeah. if that makes sense. Sorry, it's, not, it's hopeless for no, no, people it listening, ma- it but makes you know sense. what I mean. No. And also you can use different beaters. I mean, this isn't always... Can you use the handle side of the beater? Sometimes, you know, you see sort of drummers playing with their stick bands. Yeah. When I was a kid in a youth orchestra, a wind band, we just had six-inch nails. I mean, that uh-huh. literally, you know, the big... And that's what we used to play with uh, on the triangle. Oh, so this is a posh six-inch nail. Yeah. It's, bit, it's basically a bit of steel, and it's got a, like a rubber thing around so you know which end to hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you play with the if rubber play, end... Right. Can that's you hear that? Beautiful. But do you know that's not... You, you get a lot... Other instruments, composers specify sticks. They very rarely specify, for some reason, on triangle. They expect it to be a metallic okay. ting, but they might say very thin beaters or whatever. So what's the difference well, between the width the thin, the, the thin beater, you see, I'm, I've got a really thin one. Oh, that'll have to do. I've lost a load. Like you know, I go through these, bag. like, I mean, biros and socks. <laughs> I've bought, we've bought something, somewhere there's this massive stockpile in, in of our triangle beaters. <laughs> yeah. Probably another orchestra's nicked them. Right, so let's go back to reference. So this is a nice chunky beater. Nice. Okay, now here's the little thin beater. Can you pick that? It's a slightly... So if you want to play really quick... If you want to play quietly, you go towards the tip of the triangle, towards the angle. With a thinner beater. With a... Well, yeah. And then you come down the side like that and go back up towards the top. I must say, I tend to avoid the really thin beaters because I think you get a lot of contact sound and not much tone. Mm. What you hit things with is really important. And... In order to make the triangle really sing, I always think, and I'll stand by this comment if Mm. it goes around Mm. globally, and I'll get trolled (laughs) over it, but I always think that the beta should be a sizeable proportion in thickness of the triangle itself, Uh so that you're actually clouting it with something. And there are different thickness of triangle. I mean, I was looking right at that. Yeah, okay. This big one might not even fit on the clip. Ah. Clank. How how often would you play this? Well, we might use this in... um, Ride of the Valkyries. Okay. And also at dinner time, you know, just to get... <laughs> just to get... <laughs> that is a school bell sound. Well, it is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, they do sound bell-like. They used to have triangles at, you know, in American sort of military camps, big ones, and they just rattle <laughs> to call people. Yes. So so there's our triangle, normal one. And this is a big one. So that's got some funny... That feels like a jangle, yeah. but that you yeah. weren't hitting it in... If I do go for the jangle, 
weird, isn't it? That's, that's so real. Weird. Like, yeah. That's a different I, sound. See, I can't even, I don't even know what the science. But then again, the material that this is made of is not shiny. Yeah, it looks like it's probably made of something. You always look at the, uh, at the tip there. Is it telling you I? what it's made of? If it did, I wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't, it says something at the bottom. Oh, it's the maker's name. I don't know whether that's... That might just be steel that hasn't been chrome-plated. I'm sure some people would look at our chrome-plated triangle and say, what are they playing on that for? You know, mm. so, they, but it's just, as I say, a lot of the plating's come off because yes. we've just used it. Well, that's what's really interesting to me because as a saxophonist and a yes. brass, brass player, yeah. if you have a lacquered saxophone you do get a different tone yeah, yeah, so I yeah. do wonder is there a difference in the lacquer yeah. or the material that would lead you to have a different sound triangles I was going to say come in all shapes and sizes <laughs> they tend to come in the same shape which we've discussed but you can get much thicker metal you can get thinner triangles some triangles of the open end it goes down to a taper mm. I've seen other ones with curly ends I think they're kind of ornamental or slightly older ones okay. so we've got our triangle that's a specific sound which we tend to use I mean we're not so boring that we only have just one sound but we've got that sort of basic thing and then we go off from there and of course some composers ask for three triangles just normally different sizes mm-hmm. so that you get a change in pitch and in some contemporary music you'll hear sort of different pictures of tings yes which is a nice color can you indulge me in one final ting yeah, yeah. you played us the smaller one yeah. which looks a bit more sort of brassy can you play the bigger brass because it's a similar size oh, and right. similar opening look yeah. at me with I'm, the technique i'm so interested in the sound I'm, i found this one in the box very thin as so, well. so this is thinner. our normal one it's weird isn't it i mean it's weird i can't remember where this is from at and all, the ring and the ring did you dampen You can actually do vibrato. Oh, tell me. I'm applauding. So what Andy's doing this, put his hand in the triangle and just waved it up waved and down. The air, waving the air around. That is brilliant. I mean, I hardly ever do that, but just sometimes it's nice to just... Just to give it a yeah, little bit of yeah. colour. It's not something we That's do very totally, often. I mean, those triangles are oh, the no. same size. This is what, you know, in conductors say, oh, have you got a bigger triangle? You could get a bigger one out and it could be uh, higher in pitch, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they should always say what the sound they want. If any conductors are listening, tell us what the sound you want, not what you think we should use. Yeah. They'd never say it to anyone else, would they? Can you get a bigger trumpet? <laughs> Now, I'm loving this about technique. I'm, I'm nerdy like this. <laughs> Are there any sort of special effects that you would use with the triangle, apart from the vibrato? Wasn't the vibrato enough for you? No, I'm, right. I'm really in discovery um, mode. Sometimes we have to give one of our precious triangles to Simon Carrington. Half the time we don't get it back again. But <laughs> you can often put metallic instruments like cymbals onto timpani heads and you hit them and then you fiddle around with the pedal and the pedal will change the tension of the head so you can play the triangle and then it you can make it go like a whale right and also i have occasionally not just triangles but again other metal instruments you can dip them in water having hit them especially gongs and uh, little gongs and small tam-tams you hit them and then you dip them in the water and they drop down in pitch or go up in pitch. I can't remember. Oh, no, if you put a tubular bell in, it goes up in pitch because it effectively shortens the bell. Yes. And I can't remember what happens when you hit gongs and dip them in, apart from they get wet, obviously. <laughs> get wet. We've got something coming up 
soon with playing a piece by Tan Dun, mm-hmm. Buddha Passion, and he writes for a couple of water effects, so we have to have a bowl with water in it. That's just fiddling around and splashing around, it's yeah. close mic'd. And we did a piece of his a few years ago called the Water Percussion Concerto, where there was a lot of water, and we went on tour with it. It's oh, one of those, gosh. like, please don't take... Oh, OK, we're going, <laughs> we're on, going tour. on tour. And this was a few years ago, before we were so conscious of mm-hmm. uh, ecological things, but we took, like, pallets of... Evian water around or something because it had to be lit from underneath. And if you fill it with tap water, especially in Germany, which is where we were, it's all murky and things swimming around in it, you know. And we had a bilge pump to empty it because they were bowls without plug holes. Yes, you had to pump it out. Which I'd never thought of before. Yeah. And if you try and tip it out, it would have gone everywhere. Mm -hmm. So they had to bring a a, a little bilge pump that they use from bale boats out to empty the bowls. You know, Very and there's good. us trying to be musical, and somebody comes on and says, There's always so a practicality yeah. issue. Do you want yes. your bilge pump now? And you've created a really great playlist for us, the listeners, already in terms of things we can listen mm. to and really listen out for the triangle. But is there a particularly difficult piece of music that really challenges your triangle playing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I can't think of, I mean, I was trying to think when you do auditions, or you, I teach a lot and students come and they're auditioning for an audition, they've been sent a list of excerpts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are triangle excerpts. Oh, really? And I, there's a bit in Mahler 5 you have to play, but it's not the same level of technical difficulty as playing the snare drum on the marimba or whatever. But I suppose if somebody knows what they're doing with the triangle, there's a few pieces like Mahler 5 or uh, bits of Scheherazade, mm-hmm. for example, where there's fast rhythms and, uh, and you need control because it's a combination of getting the nice sound, playing in time, stop it and damping, and sometimes fast, yes. difficult. I remember years ago, when, again, when I was in the midst of time, when I was a youngster, before I was in this orchestra, I went and played a piece by Smetana called Marvlast, my con- I think it means my country. And there's a famous movement called Voltiva, which is the river. But there's three or four movements. And I was playing the triangle, and at first I thought, oh, God, you know, stuck on the triangle again. I think it was the LSO. And I sat down and realised that it was actually a rather lovely piece. And I just thought to myself, I was only young, I just thought, right, I'm going to play this with as much musical integrity as I would if I was playing the timps, you know. Yes. And actually, I really enjoyed it. It was over a few days of rehearsal with a lovely conductor, Bela Hlavec. And actually, I played triangle in a, for him in a Vorjak opera years later. Oh. Rosalka by Vojak. It's got this bonkers triangle part. It's got solos and everything. What? Like little fanfares. Ting, ticka, ding, ticka, ding, ticka, ding, ding, And the first time I played it, I thought, oh, God, I feel embarrassed playing this. And then I thought, OK, I've got to play it, so I'm going to try and go with it. Yeah. And I really got into it in the end. So sometimes, if you really commit to the triangle, yes. it's a wonderful thing to play. And do you think the the idea of committing to the triangle is so difficult because of the jokes that people make saying, yeah. oh, it's just a triangle. Well, well, it's an instrument in itself. Yeah. It's so technical. I mean, I wouldn't want to just be the triangle player in the London Philharmonic Orchestra. But incidentally, I used to be on Facebook. I'm not anymore. I originally joined Facebook because someone in the office came up to me and said, do you realise there's a Facebook group called I Want to Be the Triangle Player in the London Philharmonic Orchestra? No. So I went on Facebook, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and I, you know, did all the... Yeah. Thing and, and joined this group and said, I am the triangle. And they were really excited, <laughs> so you know. I want to be you. Uh, I don't know what happened after that. You know, we get to mix and match. It's a wonderful 
one of the joys of being a percussionist. You do something different every day. But I do love playing the triangle yeah. now and again. Why is the triangle so popular in schools? There's always a triangle. Cheap and easy to play. It's a hands-on instrument, isn't it? I mean, you, as long as you've got a bit of string and a little... I don't think we give kids six-inch nails, but something <laughs> saw the sharp end off them. I would say venture, maybe not making the sound that I can make yes. on the London floor. No, but they can go ting in the right place. And it's... Listen, kids love music. They love drums, obviously. And you don't want technical difficulty to get in the way of somebody having their first experiences in music. But I still think that there's an element... I mean, what you've taken us through today, that fascination of being able to change the sound, mm. mute... Mm. They don't necessarily teach it that way, so I'll, here you go. No, no, you no. take the triangle and this, no. just hit it. Do you think that there should be a bit more finesse in the teaching of the triangle from the get-go? Uh, not if you're talking about primary school kids. No? You just want them to hit it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I just want... Because I would want kids to just have a go and not... Because I do wonder, then, the child that gets the triangle and thinks, I've only got the triangle, actually should mm. be really excited that they've got the triangle because you can do so much Yeah, but you don't have to get them excited by saying, and I'd like you to work on your tone. <laughs> not you know? work on, but to say there's so much you can do with it. It's not just Oh, yeah, it, yeah. But, you know? And move kids around. Play yeah. the triangle one week and the shaker the next week. I mean, music education in schools is having a hard time at the moment, as we know, and the play-out for that, for us... 25 years later, is you really feel it. So I'm a big fan of kids having to go anything in school with music. But percussion is a good place to start because you haven't got buttons and keys and reeds and bows and strings and all that to worry about. And it can get kids who maybe are a bit scared of the violin to actually get involved. And I think I can safely say, I don't think anybody taught me to play the triangle. I mean, I went to the Royal College of Music for four years. I don't think I had a triangle lesson. Yeah. It's something you develop, you watch other people play, you develop a musical sensibility and sensitivity. And then whatever, you, whether you're playing the triangle or the car horn or whatever, you work out how to work things out as a yeah. percussionist. Our lovely conductor in Glyndebourne, Robin Ticciati, who does a lot here, who used to play a bit of percussion himself, I love him to pieces. He's got a very deep-thinking person. And he said the thing he loves about percussionists is his sort of juxtaposition between musical endeavour and hard practicality. You know, you have to put something on a stand or you've got a bucket of water or a bilge pump or something and you've got to do that and then suddenly snap out of that and be incredibly musical and think higher thoughts. So you give a kid a triangle and, yeah, they might sound rubbish on it, but, you know, if they get the bug and they end up doing this job, they'll, somewhere along the line, start to think, actually, I want to play this so it sounds nicer. Yes. And then you work it out yourself. A self-taught instrument, I like mm. it. Now, just taking us full circle... Yeah. ..to the future of the triangle. I mean, I might be, <laughs> I might be the founder of the Triangle Appreciation Society, just yep. letting you know. But, you know, you spoke sole about... member as well. <laughs> sole member as well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, go on. <laughs> My own AGMs. <laughs> <laughs> but can you see sort of extensions to the triangle in terms of... I mean, there's a lot of contemporary music and how people mm. will use it. There might be some composers that have listened to this today and it's sparked their imagination. But mm. you spoke about the early sistrum. Mm. Do you think you could add things to... Have you ever had to add things to the well, triangle or play it in a different way? Well, we have occasionally added things to go back in time. I mean, not literally, but I think the Rossini opera, Barbara Seville, it says bass drum, cymbals and sistra in oh, one of the copies. Ooh. It's normally now written as triangle, but at one point it was called sistra, which is, gives you a sort of hint of this. Mm. And sometimes people who are exploring early music do 
go back to having things hanging on the triangle. So you get this sort of jangly, sizzly sound. Yes. So that's quite cool. I'm looking forward to anti-gravity fields, obviously, we all are. Because I'd love yeah. to just have the triangle without the stand there. Because mm. then, it would then I would become one with the hand-holding. We could just exist in this wonderful thing, so the instruments would just be floating yes. in front of us yeah. without any encumbrances on them whatsoever. I just wonder if when if we hit them, there'd be some sort of earthing of the field and it would ping off across the orchestra and we'd never see it again. Um, yeah. Aside from that, I don't know what technically what else they could do with the triangle. <laughs> well, I'm not... I mean, you it's... know, uh, it's, it's a metal rod. Well, when I was petitioning to have this as a podcast, yeah. I just really was dreaming about playing the triangle. So Andy has kindly given me one. It's mm. swinging about all over the place. That yeah, didn't happen with that's you. That's another thing that the, the beginner triangle player finds. Is <laughs> not saying that you're, <laughs> well, you're not even a beginner, are you? I know the technique you? now. I should but be a pro. That's the other classic thing that you because it hangs on a bit of string. If you hit it, the right, it starts spinning around. Especially if you're doing a roll, it spins around, and then you have to kind of chase it around. That's one of the reasons I really play it at ninety degrees because it tends to keep the triangle. Yeah. in the right place. Well, I'm playing the one where it shows you where to hit it, so I'm going it to hit it. It's really yeah. swinging, look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good sound. Yeah, see, she's got it. I'm going to try all, all sides. It's different. And try the, change the angle, so hit it more like that, yeah. Yeah, see the difference in sound. I am fascinated. You look like a natural. <laughs> Thank you. Call me any time. <laughs> and it's amazing, actually, my, my last final appreciation of the triangle, listening to so many different styles and genres of music, mm. even through how music is now produced and the sound yeah. of the triangle is recreated, mm. it features everywhere. Mm. It really is an important instrument. Yeah. In a way, it's the simplest instrument, possibly even simpler than a simple drum. Mm. I mean, it's not as simple as just bending a rod I mean it's you know it's got to be done in the right way to make something that really rings but maybe it's simplicity is its beauty and maybe going forward when you get more complex especially in electronic music the triangle is going to be super cool because it will have not changed for like 500 years there you go Thank you so much. This has been an incredible do, journey. Do you know, the funny thing is, I was thinking, oh, obviously, after about 10 minutes, we'll get onto we something else. We can speak about but it all day. Do you know what? We haven't, we haven't stopped. We have been on about the triangle. Have, we? <laughs> have, I, even, have I said everything I wanted to say? <laughs> I wrote a whole list. Well, it just goes to show how special the triangle is. And thank you so much for taking us on this journey and in studio demonstrations as well. Thank you so well, much, Well, it's Ed. been a pleasure, but I'm still going to give Simon a hard time about it. <laughs> Watch out, Simon. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Andy Barkley for uncovering the secrets, delights and complexities of the triangle. A treat for me. Please do get in touch on social media, Twitter and Instagram. And thank you for listening. Do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage. I'll see you then. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> I, 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 I you sound should so really sad. get out more. <laughs>